He taught that a man ought to live in this world like a lotus leaf, which grows in water, but is never moistened by water. So a man ought to live in the world, his heart to God and his hands to work. It is good to love God for hope of reward in this or the next world, but it is better to love God for love's sake. And the prayer goes, Lord, I do not want wealth, nor children, nor learning. If it be thy will, I shall go from birth to birth. But grant me this, that I may love thee without the hope of reward. Love unselfishly for love's sake. One of the disciples of Krishna, the then emperor of India, was driven from his kingdom by his enemies and had to take shelter with his queen in a forest in the Himalayas. And there, one day, the queen asked him, how it was that he, the most virtuous of men, should suffer so much misery. Yudhishthira answered, Behold, my queen, the Himalayas, how grand and beautiful they are. I love them. They do not give me anything, but my nature is to love the grand, the beautiful. Therefore, I love them. Similarly, I love the Lord. He is the source of all beauty, of all sublimity. He is the only object to be loved. My nature is to love him, and therefore I love. I do not pray for anything. I do not ask for anything. Let him place me wherever he likes. I must love him for love's sake. I cannot trade in love. The Vedas teach that the soul is divine, only held in the bondage of matter. Perfection will be reached when this bond will burst, and the word they use for it is, therefore, mukti, freedom. Freedom from the bonds of imperfection, freedom from death and misery. And this bondage can only fall off through the mercy of God. And this mercy comes on the pure. So, purity is the condition of His mercy. How does that mercy act? He reveals Himself to the pure heart. The pure and the stainless see God, yea, even in this life. Then and then only, all the crookedness of the heart is made straight. Then all doubt ceases. He is no more the freak of a terrible law of causation. This is the very center, the very vital conception of Hinduism. The Hindu does not want to live upon words and theories. If there are existences beyond the ordinary sensuous existence, he wants to come face to face with them. If there is a soul in him which is not matter, if there is an all-merciful universal soul, he will go to him direct. He must see him, and that alone can destroy all doubts. So, the best proof a Hindu sage gives about the soul, about God, is, I have seen the soul, I have seen God. And that is the only condition of perfection. The Hindu religion does not consist in struggles and attempts to believe a certain doctrine or dogma, but in realizing, not in believing, but in being and becoming. Thus, the whole object of their system is by constant struggle to become perfect, to become divine, to reach God and see God. And this reaching God, seeing God, becoming perfect, even as the Father in heaven is perfect, constitutes the religion of the Hindus. And what becomes of a man 
when he attains perfection, he lives a life of bliss infinite. He enjoys infinite and perfect bliss, having obtained the only thing in which man ought to have pleasure, namely God, and enjoys the bliss with God. So far, all the Hindus are agreed. This is the common religion of all the sects of India. But then, perfection is absolute, and the absolute cannot be two or three. It cannot have any qualities. It cannot be an individual. And so, when a soul becomes perfect and absolute, it must become one with Brahmo, and it would only realize the Lord as the perfection, the reality of its own nature and existence, the existence absolute, knowledge absolute, and bliss absolute. We have often and often read this called the losing of individuality and becoming a stock or a stone. He jests at scars that never felt a wound. I tell you, it is nothing of the kind. If it is happiness to enjoy the consciousness of this small body, it must be greater happiness to enjoy the consciousness of two bodies. The measure of happiness increasing with the consciousness of an increasing number of bodies, the aim, the ultimate of happiness being reached when it would become a universal consciousness. Therefore, to gain this infinite universal individuality, this miserable little prison individuality must go. Then alone can death cease when I am one with life. Then alone can misery cease when I am one with happiness itself. Then alone can all error cease when I am one with knowledge itself. And this is the necessary scientific conclusion. Science has proved to me that physical individuality is a delusion, that really my body is one little continuously changing body in an unbroken ocean of matter, and Adwaito, or unity, is the necessary conclusion with my other counterpart, soul. Science is nothing but the finding of unity. As soon as science would reach perfect unity, it would stop from further progress, because it would reach the goal. Thus, chemistry could not progress farther when it would discover one element out of which all others could be made. Physics would stop when it would be able to fulfill its services in discovering one energy of which all the others are but manifestations. And the science of religion become perfect when it would discover him who is the one life in a universe of death. Him who is the constant basis of an ever-changing world, one who is the only soul of which all souls are but delusive manifestations. Thus is it, through multiplicity and duality, that the ultimate unity is reached. Religion can go no farther. This is the goal of all science.